this parsha is parshas Yisrael, as was mentioned, the parsha of Aser Sadibris. Um, you know, definitely where it, where it all begins, where it's all at. The Aser Sadibris I mentioned in the Torah twice, um, once in parshas Yisrael, and the second time in parshas Veschano. Of course, we're talking about the same event. The uh, story of the giving of Torah happened only once, and it was at that time that Hashem tells us the Aser Sadibris that again are said in this week's parsha and again later in parshas Veschano. But, interestingly, the name of the Parsha is not Parshas Aseris Hadibros or Parshas Luchos, it's Parshas Yisra. And Yisra, of course, is Moshe Rabbeinu's father-in-law, but he's not, you know, Yisra doesn't has, uh, he has um, a shady uh, background. He comes, he's an Oivet Avi he's a pagan, not only Stama pagan, it says that he was a, uh, says he was a priest for Avi and for many, and all the Avi and yet the Parsha, the giving of Torah, is called by his name, the Parsha of Yisro. And there's a lot of very fascinating aspects and angles to Yisro. I want to touch, touch upon them a little bit here this evening. So, in the beginning of the Parsha, Yisro shows up, right? He wasn't there by the whole Exodus. He missed the whole map, the whole, uh, you know, Yisias Mitzrayim, Kriyas Yamsov. He wasn't there. Um, he had Moshe's wife with him, you know, his daughter, um, Sipora, and the two boys. And Yisro shows up. And then he shows up and he talks to Moshe and he hears a little bit of a uh, rundown of what's been going on. And he says, and here you have on the top paragraph on the page, Right? We, just before when we all we walked in, we reviewed it, how are you doing? And Yid answers, Baruch Hashem, thank God. So Yisra says, Baruch Hashem, blessed be Hashem. Asher hitzil aschem miyad mitzrayim miyad paro. Hashem who saved you from the hands of the Egyptians and the hands of paro. Asher hitzil asom mitachas yad mitzrayim he uh, saved the entire nation from under the, the, the arm, literally, of the Egyptians. And then Yisro says that proclamation, Ata Yodaiti, now I know, Ki Gadol Hashem Mikol HaElokim. I know that Hashem now is greater than all the other gods and all the other deities. Ki Badovar Asher Zodu Alehem, He was able to, He punished the Egyptians in the same, with the same measures that they used against the Jewish people. Um, they tried to throw the Jewish children into water. They threw the Jewish children into water and they were drowned in water. So Yisro proclaims that now I know the greatness of Hashem above all deities. Rashi says, next paragraph, Atei now I know. Makiro hayisi l'sha'avar. I always knew about God, the Jewish God. V'achshav v'yosu, but now more. Mikol Elohim is greater than all gods. Melamed sh'ayamakir b'chol avodazar sh'ba'olam. <laughs> that Yisro knew every type of idolatry, every deed, he knew it all. <laughs> he didn't leave even one type of idolatry that he did not take part of, did not serve. So we're talking about a very knowledgeable person in uh, religions, in comparative religions, and he comes and he says, this, this, is, this is where it's at. Now I know, after I've heard what I've heard, seen what I've seen, I know that Hashem is Hashem above all gods. That is from Chumash Rashi. There's a fascinating statement in the Gemara, Masechta Sanhedrin, of Sadiq Dalet Amadalef, 94a in Sanhedrin. Yisro says, you know, blessed be Hashem who saved you. Tana Mishum Rav Papayas, uh, it was said over the name of Rav Papayas, one of the uh, sages of the Talmud, Gnaihu, that this was actually an embarrassment. Lemoisha Veshishim Ribui, to Moshe and 600,000 Jews, Shalom Amru Baruch, that it seems somehow Yisro cast them in a negative um, negative light because here you have Moshe Rabbeinu 600,000 Jews who left Egypt it's all the miracles and they didn't no one said Baruch Hashem 
No one said, thank God. No one said, uh, blessed be Hashem. And Yisra comes along and says, it says, the Gemara in the name of Rev Papayas, that this was seen as some level of um, critique or something was lacking amongst the Jewish people until Yisra came. That's what the Gemara says. Another I don't know. That's the look over the Chumash. Talking about that period, Yeah, it could very well be those for the story of Yitzchak Mitzrayim. But the obvious, but the obvious question is: the obvious question is, the Jewish people just saying the most beautiful shira to Hashem. I mean, the Az Yashir, which was in the previous parsha, they went through the Yamsu. The Yamsu, the, the Egyptians were destroyed. The Jewish people turn around and sing the song of all time, which we say still every day in davening. So what is it? They didn't say the words Baruch Hashem? I mean, was it about the words? The concept is to thank Hashem and express appreciation to Hashem. What is the deeper meaning of this statement in the Gemara? It sounds very trivial that they didn't use those two words. They used many words. They used beautiful words and beautiful prose. What is it about Baruch Hashem that was lacking that Yisro fills in? That's the question that we want to come to solve over here. But in order to do that, I want to read with you a fascinating piece of the Zohar. The Zohar, of course, the basic book of Kabbalah, written by Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, one of the greatest Tanoim of the Mishnah. In fact, perhaps mentioned in Mishnah more than any other single time. Rabbi Shimon, right? So Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai writes in the Zohar, and this is a, it's in Aramaic, it's not easy reading, but I want to go through it. It's a very, very powerful piece of Zohar. Luckily, luckily we have Rabbi. I'm sorry? Luckily we have you, Rabbi. <laughs> Why would he put it in Aramaic, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai? The, the, the Gemara is also in Aramaic. Yeah, but he was. Uh, oh, but even then, there was a lot of Aramaic yeah, going on. Even then, there was. It was. Yeah. And it was interesting, it's an interesting point, but that's how it was. And he writes the following Bishaita Dishar Amin Iskafion. When other nations are suppressed, Asyon Veodon Lelu Kushabrikh, when they come to thank Hashem. You know, when, when Hashem is not only accepted by tzaddikim or by Jewish people or by holy people, when Hashem is accepted by other nations who, who appreciate Hashem and, um, and become subservient to Hashem, Kedain, it's then, Ishtalem Yikara Dekushabrichu Eila Visata. It's only then that Hashem's glory is complete above and below. In other words, to Hashem it's important that Hashem is recognized not only by tzaddikim and not only by holy people and not even by Klal Yisrael but that Hashem is recognized by everyone and then he goes the Zohar says B'shaita da'asa Moshe le'paro when Moshe Rabbeinu comes before Paro va'amar le Moshe says Hashem alokei ha'ivrim nikra aleinu right Moshe says that the God the God of the Jews um, came to us pasach ihu va'amar Paro responded and said, Lo yodaiti yes Hashem. Paro said, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Who's this Hashem, right? I don't know what you're talking about. So Hashem didn't like that. Uba kuchabrihu disyakar shmei ba'ara. Hashem wants, Hashem desires that his name be um, glorified. Ba'ara down here in this world, kimad ihu yikira la'ela. Just as he is glorified above. And therefore, Kivan de Alkile, once he, uh, what's the word Alki? He uh, played or smote the Egyptians, Ulaame oh. entered the nation, Asa Suddenly the Egyptians remembered, they, they now knew who Hashem is. Dixiv, as the Pasik says, 
Hashem HaTzadik. Paro is the one who proclaimed that. Suddenly he, re- he, he knows. Okay, I, I take it back. Hashem is the Tzadik. Hashem is just. Kivan de'ihu oidi. Once Pari admitted to that, Kol Shar Malchun Oidin. So all the other kingdoms also admitted to that and submitted to Hashem. Dixiv, as we say in the Az Yashir, Oznif Halu Alufe Edom. That when Hashem plagued the Egyptians and especially by Kriyas Yamsuf, so this, yeah, but this is the, no, this is the, the continuation of the plagues of Egypt was Kriyas Yamsuf, that was the culmination. So this reached all the nations and Alufe Edom, the Edomites and all of them, all recognized the superiority of Hashem. Then, Asa Yisro Kumra Ilah. Now comes Yisro, the, the great priest, the Komer Ilah, the great, the, he was the great priest of the time. And he thanks and he praises Hashem or submits to Hashem. And he says in these verses, That now I see that Hashem is greater than every God. At this point, Hashem's glory was in a state of ascension. He was glorified above and below. Now we can give the Torah Bishlemos to this world. So the Zohar tells us that the giving of the Torah had to be, um, there was prerequisites, it had to be preceded. And, the, and what the prerequisite was that this world, the unholy areas in this world, and the people who expressed and represented the unholiness of this world, had to accept and admit to Hashem's greatness and glory. So there is such a sheet, but that's not for Rashi doesn't learn that way. Um, most sheetas don't go that way, and the Zohar definitely doesn't go that way, uh-huh. right? Most sheetas are there is such a sheet. Most sheetas are the Yisro came before Matan Torah. The Zohar definitely follows that sheet. So are you saying if Yisro didn't come and say this, then we wouldn't? So that's what the Zohar says. The Zohar says, you know, whenever you start you start with Torah, if if A wouldn't have happened, would have happened. It's impossible because it all happened the way Hashem wanted it to happen. But the Zohar says that it's not just happenstance that there's Yisro comes and then the Torah is given. It's actually, it was an important step that enabled the uh, complete glory of Hashem in this world and therefore the Torah could be given. And again, as the Zohar spelled it out step by step, there was Paro. Paro denies Hashem's existence. Then Paro is brought to admit to that. Once Paro is, the other nations are. And then Yisro is. Yisro is the uh, final... Um, He's the grand finale because he's the one who represents Avodah Zarah. He's, he's the one... He wasn't the high... You said he was higher than all, no? Well, lower than all. He was the lowest of Avodah of Zarah. Of all the nations of the world, the one who was most steeped in idolatry oh, yeah, was right, Israel. Right, yeah. So basically, it's step by step as the oh. unholy powers are submitting oh. or admitting to Hashem's superiority. First Paro, then other nations, Alufei Edom... Finally, Yisro. And when Yisro comes and says, Baruch Hashem, it's only then that the Torah can be given. So the Zohar says that the reason that the Torah is given in Parshas Yisro, we start off by saying it's not called Matan Torah, it's called Parshas Yisro, is because it was Dafka Yisro specifically, someone who was as steeped in unholiness, in impurity, in paganism, in idolatry, when he turned around and said, okay, you know what? Baruch Hashem. Hashem is great, is the ultimate God. That's what allowed for the Shlemus, the complete revelation of Hashem in this world, culminating with the giving of the Torah. Now. But he wasn't necessarily about two, but he still followed his way, Yisrael. Why is he saying that? He became a Gair, he converted. Did he convert? He converted. He converted yes. how many times before? 
to know, be the knowledgeable theologian that he was. Right, but this time he converted to Yiddishkeit and he stayed. Not only that, his children and grandchildren stayed with Gal Yisrael. And they're mentioned in the Nevi'im later. Right, so the Bnei Yisro, Bnei Chaver, Hakemi, these were the children they stayed. And you know, one daughter marries Moshe Rabbeinu, another daughter marries Pinchas. I mean, he's uh, he uh, you know marries very well in Tikkal Yisrael, <laughs> and his children do very well in the continuation of Kol Yisrael. I don't know about every descendant, but his descendants definitely stayed with Kol Yisrael forever. Yeah, he's the one who killed this Sisera. That's Sisera, right? That's Sisera. Now, this concept that no one can ask, why is it so important to Hashem? I mean. After all, Hashem is Hashem. What does he care of Paro likes him or knows him or Yisrael? But to Hashem, the concept that godliness should be um, revealed and accepted in this world, even in the most negative places, it seems to be very, very important in the big picture of Hashem's creation. Plus, you see, on the level that he's recognized in the higher levels. That's the spirit. Right, right. That's the spirit. Right. But but to Hashem, it's important that in this physical world, and amongst not just regular people, amongst the Avdiyavidazar, the pagans, and amongst this the lowest of the low, low, that's where the Shechina wants to be expressed and felt. It's, it's in all our holiday davenings, right? We want all the people to... A thousand percent. A hundred percent. hundred percent. That's now, what it means, right? A hundred percent. We're on the same team here. <laughs> now, so here we have a pasuk, a pasuk in Kohelas that really also connects this and explains this very beautifully. Kohelas, of course, is written by Shlomo HaMelech. And in chapter 2, verse 13, he writes, V'ra'isi ani, I have seen, says Shlomo HaMelech, there is an advantage to wisdom over silliness. Like the advantage to light over darkness. That's the statement, a cryptic statement. Many of the statements of Kohelas Mishlei are very cryptic. Here And here's a big one. I've seen, says Shlomo Melech, there's an advantage to wisdom over silliness, like the advantage to light over darkness. Now, this is, again, the Zohar. The Zohar asks on this Pasuk two important questions. Number one, really? <laughs> that wisdom is greater than silliness. Like, wow. And it takes Shlomo HaMelech to tell us this. So Shlomo HaMelech is the wisest of all men. And he starts with it. I have come to realize, like, you know, drum roll. <laughs> wisdom is greater than silliness. Mazel tov. And, but that's not enough. In order to understand that, I've got to give you a metaphor. And the metaphor is like the advantage of light over dark. What's the connection? Wisdom is greater than silliness. Everyone understands that. And what does it have to do with light being greater than dark? This is a question that the Tsar analyzes actually in a number of places and gives different answers to it. What is the, the secret in this passage? But one of the explanations the Tsar says is one of the ex, one of the explanations the Tsar says is that he doesn't say that wisdom is greater than silliness. What does he say? The great, that the uh, wisdom is greater from silliness. It doesn't say, if you look closely, he could have said, Yesh Yisrael Chachma al Hasichlas. He could have said, wisdom over silliness. It doesn't say that. It says, wisdom from silliness. What does that mean? Oh. Says the Zohar. When a person is wise after being silly, after going through silliness, the wisdom then is even greater. When a person makes a mistake, when a person is silly, doesn't get it right, and then gets it right, that rightness is going to be greater, more powerful, because it went through a step of silliness and darkness. 
He says the same thing is like light and dark. When is light most appreciated? After we were, after it was dark. When we're persons in darkness and it's night and we can't see anything, and suddenly we have light, that illumination is that much more powerful. I know you're going to say there's nothing to it, but Yisrael, if you just take a the room, that's Yisrael. We're going to get there. Right? Give me a minute. Don't steal my thunder. Okay. 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 Really? <laughs> he's, on, he's on to it, 100%. Well, but here we have the concept. So the, the Zara tells us that what Shlomo Malach was saying really was that the greatest greatness is achieved when it comes through a period of, low, of lowliness. Just like, what's greater? A person who never sinned or a person who sinned and then turned it around and became a tzaddik? If two people in the room, one person never sinned. From they were born, they were always a tzaddik. One person was sinful, 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 did a complete shuvah, now is a tzaddik. Which tzaddik is stronger? Which tzaddik is greater? Says the Zohar, the tzaddik who sinned. It's not just the Zohar, the Gemara says. Malkam shabali tshuva omdin, ein tzaddikim yecholim lamod. What does that mean? That means that somehow there's something powerful to having been on the other side and turned it around and came back. You come back twice as strong. After, after a person sins, but then does tshuva, that, a proper tshuva, a powerful tshuva, makes them stronger than even if they wouldn't have sinned in the first place. Now that's never a reason to sin. But if we did, if one did, tshuva empowers a person to be even greater. Says the Zohar, that's what Shlomo Malach was saying. That's what, that's what Shlomo Malach said, I've come to understand something. Wisdom after silliness is a more powerful wisdom, is a greater wisdom. Now that is the idea of Yisro. And exactly as Jeff said, the word Yisro is the word Yisron. It's advantage. His name represents advantage. He brings to the table the advantage of someone who was on the extreme other side. He's the one who was idolatrous. He was involved in every type of negative, unholy, spiritual, immoral behavior. And he turned it all around. When he did it, that brought a much greater level of, of divinity, of, of Hashem's glory to this world. And that's what Hashem said, I was waiting for that. In order to give my Torah to the Jewish people, I needed someone who was rock bottom. And he should turn around and come back and say, Hashem, that is the most special to me, says Hashem. That's when the Torah can be given. And that is perhaps the meaning of that Gemara. Which the Gemara says, the Jewish people never said Baruch Hashem. And we asked, what's the big deal? They said other things. What does the word Baruch mean? So Baruch, we all know, means a blessing. But Baruch really comes from the idea of something that's drawn down very, very far. In, in uh, Mishnah, we have Hamavrich Esagefen, right? When you take the, the tree and you um, graft it, draw down and graft it into the ground. The word Bracha is to bring down, to draw down. When we ask Hashem to give me a Bracha, give me a Bracha, we ask in Davni, we mean that the plenty that should be drawn down all the way to where I need it. Who is the one who drew Hashem all the way down? Yisro, because he was all the way down. He represented the lowliest places of this world, the lowliest place of existence, and therefore he was able to bring Hashem, Hashem, the recognition of Hashem and the glory of Hashem to places that nobody else could. And that's what the Gemara means. It doesn't mean the Jews did something wrong. You know, what could, they weren't Yisro's. They weren't, uh, they weren't involved in every Avodah of the world. They were, close, they, were <laughs> you know? oh, they were pretty good, but they weren't Yisro. <laughs> when, 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 when Yisro came around, Hashem says, okay, that's what I was waiting for. And that's the Baruch Hashem. 
And so this is a powerful idea about the importance of Yisro and why the Torah is given in the parsha of Yisro. But it says something to us also in our own avoda, which is, you know, th- there's different parts of our life and different ways we serve Hashem. Typically, when we think, we will, what's our highest form of service to Hashem? Oh, when we're learning Torah, when we're davening, when it's Yom Kippur. In, 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 our, in the times of our day, in our year, in our life, that we're most spiritual, we feel we're most connected to Hashem. The MS, though, is that this concept that we're learning here teaches that where is Hashem most excited, if you will? Where is Hashem most proud when His glory is brought all the way down? What does that mean for us all the way down? It means in our workplace. It means, as it says in Mishnah, call Masecha L'Shem Shemayim. That when a person is doing their mundane activities, whatever they're doing, and that alone becomes holy, that becomes L'Shem Shemayim. Or as the Pasuk says in Mishlei, Bechal Dirachecha Da'ehu, in all of your ways to know Hashem. And the Rambam writes about this, that a person can serve Hashem when they're eating, when they're sleeping, when they're, when they're vacationing. It, if it's done right, and if it's done L'Shem Shemayim, and if it's all to fulfill what Hashem wants of me, then getting to know Hashem is not just in the Siddur, and not just in the Shul, and not just by the Sefer Torah, but to bring it down to every aspect of our life. Just like Yisro, Davka Yisro, brings Hashem down to the lowest places, and that's, that becomes the keli, the vessel, to Matan Torah. That is the first point. Okay? There's a couple more minutes. I want to quickly jump to one more point about, also about Yisro, and that's part two over here. Later in the Parsha, Again, Yisro emerges in a very interesting if, if, debate with Moshe Rabbeinu, right? And now we're after Matan Torah, right? As far as when Yisro came, so Jeff mentioned correctly that there's two shitas, but till now we were following the shita that when Yisro showed up was before the giving of Torah, and that's the shita of the Zohar. But later in the Parsha, it says that Moshe Rabbeinu sits and starts judging the Jewish people. As Rashi says, this was not just after Matan Torah, this is after Yom Kippur, because it's after the second luchos were given. We know the Torah is given, and then there's 40 days, Moshe doesn't have any, comes down, there's a golden calf, he goes up another 40 days, comes down, goes up a third set of 40 days, comes down for on Yom Kippur with a second Luchos. The day after Yom Kippur, he sits down to judge the people and teach the people Torah. Yisro shows up and says, what's going on? <laughs> right? He's a father-in-law, right? So he's, uh, he'll look and he says, this is not going to work, this is ridiculous. You're going to judge and rule and teach 600,000 men wow. and this, it's, it'll be overwhelming for you and you'll become weakened, you won't be, you won't be able to do it. Overwhelming for them as well. Overwhelming for them, overwhelming for you. Novel Tebow. So, and Yisra gives advice. He says, I, I, I have an idea. He says, why don't you have judges and 1,000, 10,000, whatever. He gives them a whole system, a whole judicial system. He says, don't listen to me, only if Hashem agrees. But this is my advice. Moshe takes it to Hashem and Hashem says, yeah, I'm, I'm with him. I'm with him. Good idea. Good idea. And that's what happens. That's what happens. Now, here, now that's the story. It's all in the Chumash, which begs an obvious question. And Mepharshim asked the question. Moshe couldn't think of this himself. I mean, it's not rocket science. <laughs> Moshe is a, one human being, and there's hundreds of thousands of people, and it's logical. Clearly, Moshe Rabbeinu, who is <laughs> the greatest Navi, the greatest Sadiq, and everything, Moshe could also understand this. What was it that Moshe missed? that Yisro picked up on and Hashem agreed with Yisro. What was it? What was the, what was, this guy, Moshe had to have a logic here. Well, he felt one way and Yisro felt another and Hashem sided with Yisro. What's going on? But, it, and, and that's what I have here after the, uh, that, just in my own words, the deal, the, the conversation between Yisro and Moshe Rabbeinu the day after Yom Kippur about Moshe's uh, form of judgment of the Jewish Dion? people. Dion is the conversation, the back and forth. 
um, and that Hatsas Yisro Yisro's advice, and Hashem agrees with him. Now, which and again, I wrote to me Abazah. The question is, what was Moshe thinking, and what was what was going on? So, what's interesting is, and I have in the next paragraph in bold letters, that there's another time where there's a similar disagreement of Moshe Rabbeinu, not with Yisro, but with others. But if you think about it, it's very similar, and that is. It's discussed in the Chumash later in Pasha's Ve'eschana. We don't have time to read it all now. But, excuse me. In Pasha's Ve'eschana, when Moshe Rabbeinu reviews the Ten Commandments, he tells the Jews, he, he, he says what happened. He says, Hashem started talking to the Jewish people, said the first commandment, the second. Then what happens? The Jewish people all come to Moshe Rabbeinu and they say, we can't handle this. Right? You talk to Hashem. Right? The Medrash says, the Gemara says all of them died and they were revived, died. This is not good for the heart, dying and being revived. This is, this is terrible. And the Jewish people tell Moshe Rabbeinu, <laughs> the Jewish people tell him, right? He says, Atalama Namus will die, the fire will take us. You know, you come close to Hashem, you listen, you tell us. That's what the Jewish people say. Now, did Moshe Rabbeinu agree with that? So in the Pasuk it doesn't say. But it's interesting, the Pasuk says that Moshe Rabbeinu tells them, I'm sorry, the Jewish people said on the third line of the bold letters, You will speak to us. But if you look closely, the word Ata is missing a hey. So Ata, when, when Ata turns into Ata, it's feminine, right? Like At. So says Rashi, Next paragraph, You made me weak. Like a female, like a woman. I was, I was very, I had tremendous uh, anguish from this. Urefisa said, "You made me, you weakened me." You don't truly love Hashem. Wouldn't it be better for you to learn directly from Hashem and instead you came to learn from me? So Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't, he was against this. And then what happens? What does Hashem say? In the last pasuk, they're right. So what do we have here? Again, a debate. Moshe Rabbeinu saying, "Let's listen to Hashem." The Jews are saying, "No, we can. Too big for us. We need to. We got to tone it down a little bit for us." And Hashem agrees with the Jewish people. What's the common denominator of both of these debates? Moshe. In our part, in both cases, Moshe Rabbeinu wants to take the high road, right? Moshe Rabbeinu in our part says, I'm going to teach all the Jewish people. How can you compare having to teach like Moshe Rabbeinu to have someone else? You know, if you have your choices, Moshe Rabbeinu can teach. Yeah, but I can get a, you know, a, a, you know one of the 10,000 teachers. Moshe Rabbeinu wanted that every Jew should have the highest possible experience of learning. And Moshe Rabbeinu knew very well who could give them the highest possible experience of learning? Mm-hmm. Himself. He's the one who heard it directly from Hashem. And the same thing happens in Parshas Ve'eschanam. Moshe Rabbeinu wants us all to hear it directly from Hashem. And in both cases, Moshe Rabbeinu is debated. Yisro says, yeah, let them hear it from others. The Jewish people say, we want to hear it from you, not from Hashem. And in both cases, Hashem sides with the others. Right? In our Pasha, Hashem says, Yisro is right. You don't teach them. Let other people teach them. In Vayeschanan, Hashem says, the Jewish people are right. I'm not going to talk to them. You talk to them. What's, what's going on? Did, did Moshe Rabbeinu not understand the concept in, of Yisro and there? 
And the answer is, and based on the talk of the Rebbe, the answer is like this, and we're really running out of time, I just want to give over the, the point. Moshe Rabbeinu had the ability to pick people up to a level where they are on a much higher level than they naturally were. When you're in Moshe Rabbeinu's presence, you're not your regular self. You're in Moshe Rabbeinu's presence. Anyone who's had the schus of being in the presence of a great tzaddik. When you're, when you're in front of the great tzaddik, you're not your regular being. You're picked up. You're in a whole different place. Moshe Rabbeinu looked at the Jewish people and he said, I know you people might not be on the level of who knows what, but I'll, I'll pick you up. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll elevate you. So you'll be able to listen to Hashem as long as I'm with you. And that's going on of Eschana. Moshe says, stick with me and we'll all listen directly to Hashem. But he's saying, we're not up to it. Moshe saying, but stick with me, we'll do this. In the same way as in our parsha, Moshe Rabbeinu felt he wanted to pick the Yidden up to the highest place possible. And he knew nobody else could do it like him. You know, uh, yeah, teachers and more teachers and more teachers, they're not Moshe Rabbeinu. They didn't see Hashem Panam al They're not the ultimate prophet of the Jewish people. Moshe Rabbeinu was always trying to bring the people to the highest level possible, which is wonderful to be on the highest level possible. What's the problem? The problem is that that's not really who we are. We're just, Moshe Rabbeinu is sort of schlepping us along. Yisro was coming from a different place. Remember, Yisro is the guy coming from the lowest of places. And he recognized the people, they were, that's not who they are. They're regular human beings. They're not on that level. So even if you're sort of just picking them up, it's not real, it's not them. The point is that they should understand it on their level and they should connect to it properly. So therefore, in both cases, Moshe Rabbeinu loses out. Both in Vaschanan and with Yisra. Moshe Rabbeinu who has the approach of, I'm going to bring them to the ultimate highest level. I'm going to, you know, pick them up. But Hashem ultimately says that I want the Jewish people to learn the Torah, receive the Torah at their level, where they're at, using their ability to understanding, not just being super, um, I'm just saying the, the word's not coming to me, not being like super elevated. You know, when you're in the presence of Moshe Rabbeinu, you're not being yourself. What's the ultimate? To learn Torah in the presence of Moshe Rabbeinu all day? Or that me in my own home, my own way, my own way of thinking, I can connect to Hashem. So Moshe Rabbeinu is tremendously powerful and inspirational and so on and so forth. But the idea ultimately, ultimately we're going to have to learn Torah when Moshe Rabbeinu is not there anymore. And therefore, we had to learn Torah through teachers. And therefore, we couldn't hear directly from Hashem. Because the idea was that the Torah that we learned should permeate us and connect to us at the level we are, where we are at. That follows with the Mishpatim? Are you saying all the judicial courts? Same idea? Same idea. The same idea. That it's not about the Moshe Rabbeinu will do everything. It has to be a, a normal system. People have to become the, their own judge. Exactly. You have, to, be, be you have to understand it on your own. You have to get to it on your own. It's not enough to be a Yid that's super energized by Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu gives, he teaches the law. He tells us the Torah. But we have to be able to make that our own, in our own time, even in a time of, of exile, even when there won't be a Moshe Rabbeinu around. And that's why in both of these cases, Although Moshe Rabbeinu is always saying, let's, let's do it on the highest level. Hashem said, yeah, but the idea is that the Kedusha should come down into the level of the people themselves, not just the way they're super empowered by Moshe Rabbeinu. And that's the connection, really, of the two parts of today, tonight's class. It's all about bringing it all the way home, bringing it all the way down. That's what Yisro represents. And the word Yisro means 
that addition, that Yisram of bringing the Kedusha into our own homes, into our own lives, in the way we are. It's not just about being super elevated. It's about bringing the Torah and the mitzvahs and the Kedusha into our lives, into our homes, into our minds, the way we are. And that's how Hashem wants it. Yeah, it was good.